What kind of soil are you preparing for harvest? Will you nurture the ground you walk on? Are the seeds you're planting in the soil able to grow and produce more seeds? Will what you grow not only sustain yourself, but others? These are important questions for our lives. Here is John Carter as he continues to unravel the mysteries of the kingdom. We ended part one with a text from Matthew. Can we go over this text again before we continue? Wayne, it's a great question. It's one that has divided uh, Christians for literally hundreds of years, especially since the days of John Calvin. Now let me read you the controversial text. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 14 and 15. Here it is. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now, it's interesting, my friend, that the Bible says their eyes they have closed, their ears they have closed. This is an act of the will. Jesus said to the religious leaders in his own day, I wanted to draw you to myself. I wanted you to come to me for salvation. But then he said those significant words. He said, but you would not. I have the ability to say yes or no. God has given to me the capacity of freedom of choice. And if I open my heart to the Spirit of God, he will draw me to salvation and he will bring me to Christ and I will be redeemed. Do you think some people ignore God because they think it would have a negative impact on their lives? I've grown to understand this subject a little bit more as I've grown older because I've had the privilege of speaking to millions of people. I've seen so many people come to Christ. I've seen people respond to, to the voice of the Spirit of God. I've seen the, the Word of God get down into good soil and I've seen people actually run to Christ. What I'm saying is this, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm saying this, it's almost impossible to get someone to see an idea when their salary, when their income, their lifestyle depends upon their not seeing it. Did you get this? It's almost impossible to get somebody to see a truth when his salary depends upon his not seeing it. And so here comes this tremendous conflict in the human heart. Remember, Jesus said this, John 5.40, you refuse to come to me so that you might have life. They could have come. When Jesus stood on the Mount of Olives and wept over the great city of Jerusalem, he said, 
how often I wanted to draw you to myself, but you would not. I want you to know this, my friend. The greatest truth in all the Bible is the truth of the love of God, that God loves you and Christ died for you and he sends the Holy Spirit and if we do not resist him, he will draw us to Christ and to salvation. Believe it and you will see the glory of God. Should the church try to get rid of all the hypocrites and humbugs in the church? So you, <laughs> you think it'd be a good idea to get rid of all the hypocrites and the humbugs? <laughs> you know, God didn't make us the judge, did he? God is the judge. I'm glad that God is the judge. Some people think, you know, they are the judge. This has happened in history. But I want you to think about something right now. I want you to think about this. This is not original with me by any means, but I'm going to say it just the same. Somebody said, if you're looking for the perfect church, don't join it because it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> there are no perfect churches because there are no perfect people. You say, no, no, but I'm a perfect. No, my friend, our perfection is found only in Christ. It is the gift of God. Matthew chapter 13, 24 to 28. I want to read you this passage out of the Bible because these are the words of our blessed Lord. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? And Jesus said, No. Jesus said, No. We're going to wait until the harvest. And here Jesus is talking about the church. Because, my friend, in the true church of the living God, you've got good wheat and you've got bad tears. You've got the good and the bad. You've got the sincere and you've got the hypocrites and God is the judge and we should not be thinking of having an inquisition. You know, the wheat and the tares the good and the bad. You got them, you've got them in the pews and you've got them in the pulpits. You've got them in the leadership of the church. You've got them among the lay people. You've got them everywhere. But Jesus said, they both grow together till the harvest. It is not our work to try to get rid of the hypocrites and uh, as you said before, and the humbugs. <laughs> this is the work of God, we should let God be the judge. Shall we have an inquisition? Well, they tried that, you know. In Spain, they tried it all throughout Europe. The Roman Catholic Church decided they would purge the Holy Catholic Church of all the heretics. 
You know about this, don't you? They burn to death millions and millions of people. I've got pictures I've taken. I've, I've gone into some of the great museums in Europe. I've seen the pictures of the Inquisition. It was a time of hell because people tried to play God. But Jesus said, let both grow together till the harvest. Now, let me read to you from uh, Matthew 13 and verse 28 and onwards. Listen. He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us, uh, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. It seems very apparent to me that God is telling us, leave it alone. I'm going to deal with this when I come when I come as the judge of all men and all women. Remember, God never gave you and me the role to be the judge. God is the judge. People watch Christians say one thing and then do another. Doesn't this hypocrisy hurt the church and keep people from seeking God? I know there are people who are like the Pharisees, think that uh, they're the judge and they've got the right to get rid of all the humbugs and all the phonies. But God knows the heart. And God isn't finished with me yet. He's not finished with you yet, my friend. God is working on people. Let's give God some time. We need some time ourselves. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 13, verse 37 and onwards. He said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So God is the judge. God is going to clean up his church. God is much wiser than we are. And we should leave the work of judging to the judge. That's God. What is the harvest and when does it happen? Well, I'm glad it's not the harvest yet, is it? I'm glad that God has given us some time. I'm glad that God is patient. I'm, I'm glad that God is patient with me. I'm a very imperfect person. I'm glad that my Heavenly Father is patient with me as God is patient with you and your children who sometimes can be quite obnoxious. <laughs> I'm just talking about children, uh, you know, just as a broad statement because... You know, sometimes it's tough bringing up kids, but God is patient with our children. Let me read you a text, Matthew 13, 40 to 43. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. 
The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I say, let's go easy on our young people. A lot of young people have been driven out of the church by Pharisees who think that God has made them the judge. But the Bible tells me that the harvest takes place at the end of the world. That's why we're not going to start an inquisition. Uh, My friend, this is the very, very word of God and I want it to sink down into our souls. Let us treat others as God treats us. What do you say? Pastor Carter, do you believe in miracles? Can God actually make the impossible possible? Do I believe in miracles? Yes, I do. I've seen miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in the greatest miracle of all. You know what the greatest miracle is? The miracle of the love of God, that God loves sinners like you and me. Let me read to you Matthew 13 and verse 31 and 32. Read this chapter through, my friend. It's a fantastic uh, chapter. Uh, Let let these words sink down into your souls. Let it get into the, the good soil in your good heart, brother, sister. Matthew 13, 31 and 32. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Listen to this. God loves to take a small beginning and make it into something fantastic and great. God is the God of small things, that God can grow into big things. He can take your dreams, dreams of faith, and make them miracles, wonders. Danny Shelton came with us to Russia in 1992, long time ago now. Seems like yesterday. We had this tremendous campaign. 3ABN stood with me. They were my, these people were my tremendous friends. They helped me raise the budget. People say, where do you get the money from? (laughs) The saints of God sent it to us and Danny Shelton helped me raise the budget. And after this campaign where thousands of people were baptized in the Volga River, Danny got a dream. He said, Brother John, we need to build here a great church and a great evangelism center because we've only got one little tiny church. So God was putting the seed into Danny's heart, into his mind. And so a member of the team gave him $100,000. You may think that's a huge sum of money. Well, it is a fair sum of money, but when you're buying a big piece of land, it doesn't seem to go very far. But Danny found this piece of land that had been dedicated by the communists to build this great communism youth centre, huge place. But they hadn't finished it. The place looked like a bombed out ruin 
from the Second World War. But Danny had the seed, the mustard seed. And he started to raise money. He started to talk it around in America and in other places. And people started to send their money. They started to send their seeds. And today in Russia is the largest Protestant church building, the largest Protestant evangelism center. It's also a great television center. Dr. Julia Ukenar is in charge of it with a fantastic team of young people. It's absolutely marvelous. I must have been there. I've been there so, so many times. And every time, every time I go, I'm mightily blessed. My friend, God is the God of small things. God wants to take something small in your life and grow it into something great. Have faith in God, my friend. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people who say it can't be done. Believe in the God who believes in you. Believe in the God of impossible dreams. I'm looking at Matthew, and there's a parable about making bread. Can you go into this and tell us how much yeast is needed to make a loaf of bread? Well, you're really asking the wrong person. You ought to be asking Beverly. Beverly's the authority. Or else you ought to be asking David, who's the camera person here today. You ought to be asking him because he makes all that sort of stuff. But I've never made a loaf of bread in my life. I, I want to live a bit longer. I don't want to be poisoning other people and poisoning myself. But now, okay, let me read you the text. Matthew 13 and verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. How much yeast? Well, if you've got, say, a couple of pounds of flour, I understand you don't put in a couple of pounds of yeast. <laughs> it'd probably get so big it'd blow you out of the room. That's, that wouldn't be good for you. It wouldn't be good for your indigestion when you try to eat bread like this. I'm told you get a tiny little bit of yeast. And a tiny little bit of yeast in a lot of flour. And a little bit goes a long, long way. What's the little bit of yeast? It is the gospel of Christ. You say, you know, I just can't do anything. I'm not getting any help here. I got no money. I get no support. Uh, I want to do something for God, but I just, I've just got nothing. Hey, you may only have a little bit of yeast, but a little bit of yeast with the blessing of God becomes a tremendous loaf of bread. I'm saying to you today, believe, believe. Put away your unbelief. Ever heard of Adoniram Judson? He was the great American missionary who went to Burma, absolute saint of God. When he got to Calcutta, he discovered from his previous theological teachings that he hadn't fulfilled all of his duties towards God. He wasn't baptized. So Adoniram Judson goes and gets baptized in this little Baptist church. Over the door are the words, attempt great things for God. 
expect great things from God. Let me say it to you again. Get it down here. Believe it. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. That got down into the soul of Judson. He became this fantastic missionary to Burma. And God used him, my friend. God used him to do mighty, mighty miracles. Listen, please, please. Believe in the God of the impossible dream. Believe in miracles. Believe in the God who believes in you. Believe in the God of the mustard seed. Believe in the God of the bit of yeast. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people who've got no faith. The church is full of people who've got no faith. Don't listen to them. Church boards and conference committees are filled often with people who've got no faith. They seem to think that their work is to stop the work from going ahead. But have faith. Have faith in God. Remember Danny Shelton. Remember Julia Ukenar. Believe in the God of the yeast. Believe in the God of the mustard seed. Believe and you'll see the glory of God. Continuing on in Matthew, what is the meaning of the treasure hidden in a field? Well, let me read you the whole text because if we get the text, then at least we can try to make a commentary on it. Matthew 13, 44, 45, 46, here we go. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he'd found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know who the treasure is, what the treasure represents? It represents Christ the Bible, the gospel. You may be a multi, multi-billionaire. God doesn't care how much you got or how much you haven't got. But you can have a lot of this world's goods. But if you don't have Christ and the gospel and the word of God in your soul, you're a, you're a pauper, terribly poor person. But once you have Christ, you have this treasure. And to gain Christ, we must be prepared to sell everything that we have and go and buy that field. My friend, there's a field for you. And in that field, there is the treasure. And that treasure is worth more than anything else. So go do whatever it takes to accept Christ and the gospel. The pearl of great price. What is meant by the pearl of great price? Pearl of great price. Are you still listening? The pearl of great price is Christ. He is the pearl that grows more glorious as the days go by. No price can be placed upon him. What would we give to gain Christ? What would we give 
to have Christ, my friend, there's nothing that we can give that would equal Christ. All the riches of this world cannot compare with Christ. The gospel gives forgiveness. It gives hope. It gives joy. It gives contentment. It gives everlasting life. Believe in Christ, my friend, and you have everlasting life. He is the pearl of great price. Believe, believe, believe. Listen to the words of the greatest of the apostles, one of the greatest personalities that this old world has ever seen, St. Paul, Philippians 3, 7 to 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attend, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, nothing compares. He said, I've given up everything. I count them as, as dung, horse manure, that I may have Christ. My friend, believe in Christ. When we ran the campaign in, in Kiev, had such vast crowds of people, but a family, a big group came from Chernobyl, just on the outskirts of Chernobyl. They came in an old broken down bus with their pastor. I said, what brings you to the meetings? You've, you've come from a radioactive area. They said, we've come that we may gain Christ. I said to the pastor, why do you stay? Why do you stay, young man? Don't you know this may kill you? He said, that I may gain Christ. He said, I don't care about my life. The only thing that counts, he said, is Christ. Christ. My friend, from my heart to your heart, believe in Christ. Let the seed go down into good soil. Accept the pearl of great price. Take him into your heart. Take the treasure with Christ. You and I have everything we need. Believe in the Christ who believes in you. Amen. Many people, no matter what their age, still have their first teddy bear. It's hard to let them go. Their stitches might be loose, the stuffing flat, one ear a little lopsided, but they were always there for us. Imagine giving a child their very first teddy bear, especially when they are sick and lonely. They will always remember that someone they didn't even know cared enough to bring them a new friend when they needed it most. 
Will you help the Carter Report bring cheer to these children? You can mail a bear or send a donation and we will buy the bears for you. Please send your bears or a donation to the address on the screen. For COVID protection, please send the bears in their original packaging. Thank you for your kindness in giving cheer and comfort to children in need. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.